Like, what are you going to deal with my character? You're just going to deal with the fact that I can preach okay. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is episode nine of the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm here with Corey and James, as usual. And this week, we are going to be discussing um, something that we have discovered is an interesting topic for the three of us, and that is mentorship. 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 Um, Get on the ship. All right, so, oh gosh, I don't even know where to start with this. So what, maybe we'll start with this question. Um, where has mentorship been awkward for you? For me, I had somebody come to me once and tell me they were going to mentor me. So that was weird. I was like, ah, I don't even know you. Is that the time when they sent you the Facebook message? Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> told you they was about to mentor you. Ah, I can't believe you guys remember that. Yeah. That was awkward. I mean, I think, I think for me, it's been multiple times where it's been like, when people self-impose mentorship like upon you, they bestow it upon you. They're like, I'm going to be your mentor. And when it's uninvited, it's always awkward. It's always awkward. Yeah. Like, I feel like mentorship is a vibe in many ways. And like, when the vibe is not there, when it's like self-imposed or when on the other side, like you seek it so desperately as a mentee and like the person you want to mentor, you may not be in that space or in that phase of life. Like the, the vibe is just not right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, yeah, it's, it's always awkward when it's self-imposed on either side. Yeah. It's one thing when like you're a college student and you apply for uh, like a position. So like when I worked at the radio station, in college, like the person who ran the radio station automatically became a mentor without my even realizing it because I worked for the station and it was, it wasn't a situation where I was employed. And so it was like a, there's a mentee relationship there that I wasn't necessarily seeking out, but you end up with. But when it's this, like, you're just, you're just living and and somebody's like, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to mentor you in this. Like it's weird. I don't know. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would just say in general, mentorship out like absent of relationship is just you telling me crap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like outside, outside of relationship, like, like you just, you're just giving me, giving me information. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, and I think you've probably experienced this and I've probably experienced this because we've been boys for so long. It's like sometimes people just believe that like they're mentoring you by proxy. So people mm. who have been like mentoring you just feel like they have like a similar relationship with me. Yeah. And like vice versa. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, bro, like, I don't know you, man. Like, what are you doing? Well, and I know um, as somebody who's been like fringe, like on relationship with both of you guys by nature of, you know, our marriage and then you guys being best friends, like I watch everything that you're doing. I watch where you guys get invited 
to all this stuff with all of these people who seem like, you know, sages in their field and whatever. And you guys are like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to show up for that. And I'm like, and I'm sitting here like, if I would just get that freaking invitation, I would take that in a heartbeat because the stuff that is available for men when it comes to mentorship and that sort of thing, it's not there for women. And so where he'll come home and he's like, oh, I got I got invited to this thing. Like me and James are supposed to go do this thing. I don't want to go that. I'm like, man, stop whining. Like don't whine to me because I would kill for that opportunity. I mean, I can make a quick caveat. I mean, that's mostly Corey. <laughs> I knew he was going to say it. I knew he was going to say it. Let me make just a quick, that's mostly Corey. <laughs> Like some of my favorite authors, I knew the people I look up to. Corey's like, oh yeah, like I had lunch. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm at I'm at lunch with him. I'm on a Zoom call with Scott McKnight, the greatest New Testament theologian in the in the, in North America. Dude, what? I'm on a Zoom call. I'm on a Zoom call with him. It's mostly Corey. I was just getting ready to say. I was hoping to get it before he got there. That's mostly due to my utter like disrespect and lack of impression for people who are doing things outside of like my immediate site. Uh, I mean, I, there have been several occasions where we've been on a zoom call or at lunch or in a conversation with somebody who's like really cool, really influential, like really like has a lot that, you know, could be gleaned from. And I'll like text James or call James and I'm like, bro, I don't know. We're just talking to this dude. And he's like, well, who's the dude? And then I tell him and he's like, are you get your butt back in there? Like, so you're making a zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing? I mean, so that's on me. I get that. That's 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 on me. All right. So let me let me ask this then. What what is the difference? Because they really feel like similar words. What is the difference between mentorship and discipleship? What is like if you if you were gonna like put it in a tweet as few words as possible? What's the difference between mentorship and discipleship? I mean, I think I would start off. By saying, like, mentorship exists because discipleship doesn't. Ugh. And I think I would, I, would lean into, I would lean into saying that, like, the difference is, like, discipleship is what, like, Christ desires from his church. Yep. And I think, like, mentorship is the world longing for discipleship. And I think it's, yeah— it's happening in the deficit of discipleship. And I think, like, the lack of discipleship is why the church is, like, proving to be anemic, like, mm. especially in this season. But I think, like, mentorship is the world taking, like, these wired-in principles that God has, like, hardwired us to do, ways that we're meant to learn. I think the world has said, hey, this is how we're wired. This is what we're supposed to do. And I think they've, like, staked their hat on it. So any good company— is going to have like a pipeline of mentorship and they're going to set you up to like learn that way to learn like from experience and people who have already done it. I just think the church like gets down with exceptionalism in like a very dangerous way. So like, instead of like going slow and doing discipleship to Jesus way, it's just like, yo, like we're going to try mentorship and we don't even have like the attention span to like do mentorship well. Cause we're trying to get that back. You that used, back. You, you used a million dollar word. A million dollar word right there. You said uh, 
the church's attentiveness to exceptionalism. Uh, ex- uh, expound upon that a little bit. Exceptionalism? Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean... So I don't have to Google it while Rachel talks. I mean, I'll give you an example because me and my wife are, like, watching all the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus, like, when Jada goes to bed, we turn off, like, the Disney and, like, we flip to, like, the parents setting. Mm-hmm. So we flip from, like, Elsa to Maui and mm-hmm. then we get into the Marvel. Mm-hmm. Ours is from Mickey to Iron Man, but samesies, samesies. Got you. So, like, I think the best way I can, like, explain American exceptionalism is from the first Avengers movie. So, like, there's a scene in the first Avengers movie where, like, Captain America and the Avengers, like, are going to, like, fight Thor in, like, these woods. Right? And Thor, like, steals Loki, and they're going to get Loki from these woods. And, like, Iron Man, who is, like, the dude, Iron Man has this suit that makes him, like, a hero mm-hmm. is fighting like Thor, who is like a, a god. A god, right? Right. And Thor has this hammer that's like it's of legend. Mm-hmm. So Iron Man and Thor are going at it over Loki. Captain America, you know, he has the he has powers, but he doesn't really have much. Mm-hmm. So he like hops off the plane, and he's like way behind. And then like Iron Man gives his big like. He just shoots out a blast and Thor is like twisting his hammer and Thor is about to finish off Iron Man. And then Captain America takes the American shield (laughs) and he puts it right up against a literal like demigod's hammer and the American shield stops the hammer. To me, that was symbolic of exceptionalism because it, it, it just represented to me that like the American way is even stronger than the gods. Like the American way is like above all things. And exceptionalism is this idea that like in America, like we seek greatness. We are great. We deserve greatness and we seek greatness. And by any means necessary, at the at the literal expense of people, of natural resources, of anything, we will seek the greatness that we believe exists in us. This is manifest destiny. This is, I mean, I could talk for hours about yeah. the evils that America has perpetrated against the world. But this is that idea of exceptionalism. <clears throat> so, so I think that's, I think that's kind of what was in my head with the, uh, with your first question of like, where is it awkward? And I said like, absent of relationship, it's awkward. I think like that, that really speaks to a lot of like what I've experienced, which is people who have come up to me and wanted to quote unquote, invest in me, mentor me, disciple me, apprentice me, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, because they recognized I was good at something and they wanted to like mold me into whatever it was that like they wanted me to be. I think a lot of, a lot of my experience with mentorship has been, has been people uh, seeing a value in what I can produce and wanting to, fit what I produce to meet their agenda. Um, And the reason that that feels different to me than what we see in the person of Jesus, when he tells Peter down by the bay and Matthew sitting at his 
tax collector table, hey, come follow me, is the invitation that Jesus gives is into relationship. Like it's into, it's into like, like come, come rock with me, come live life with me, come experience life with me. And they did this stuff together. Jesus was clearly like the teacher, but like it was an invitation into relationship where I feel like the distinction that I would create and I've experienced in a lot of situations with mentorship is it's like, hey, let's meet around this premise and you will become X, Y, and Z. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like Jesus says like, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I feel like in situations I've been in, it's been like, hey, come follow me. I can see that you fish. That means you're competent. I want you to be an architect. Yeah. So come follow me. <laughs> come follow me and I'm going to make you an architect. Yeah. Jesus says, like, you're a fisher of men. Yeah. Like, you're a fisher. So I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And I, I think like that's I, a trap yeah. that, like, a lot of people in our positions have fallen into is it's like, it's like, hey, like, come rock with me and I'm going to I'm gonna make you a celebrity pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, but what if my character sucks? Like, what are you going to deal with my character? You're just going to deal with the fact that I can preach okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the difference to me is that, like, one is based on, like, skill development. And I feel like discipleship is about your character becoming more like Jesus. That's, that's real. Now, Rachel, you can speak to this probably in ways that, like, Corey and I, like, can't even. Like, they call it the sandwich generation, like, when you get in your 40s. Because, like, when you're in your 40s, like, most people are still caring for kids, but then their parents are getting older. So they have, like, the responsibilities of caring for their parents. So it's like this sandwich of care where you're, like, caring for children and your parents. And I feel like at our age, like, in the church, we're, like, coming to this, like, sandwich phase where, like, we still very much so, like, need mentors and we need to be mentored and discipled. But there's, like an age gap enough where the generation under us is looking to us to like give them something. So like, as you find yourself in the sandwich generation, like what are some things that you believe make a good mentee? And what are some things that you believe make a good mentor? Hmm. That's a good question. I, um, hmm. When it comes to mentees, I feel like what makes a good mentee is someone who is um, not just looking to be trained in a practice, but who is looking to grow as a human being. Because you might enter into something and you might enter into a mentorship saying, hey, you do this and I want to learn how to do this. So we'll say we'll say preaching. We'll use preaching as an example. You preach, and I want to learn how to preach, and I like how you preach, so teach me. Sure, like that might be what you enter in for. But in order to preach well, you have to know how to read Scripture. You have to be able to exegete. You have to learn how to write an introduction and a conclusion. You have to learn how to land your points. 
You have to learn how to develop your points. You have to learn how to not be a terrible person the other six days of the week so that when you stand up and preach, people aren't going, yeah, but I know what you did last night, so That's I'm not listening part. to anything that you have to say. Like the there's, there's so many other things that have to be developed that you're unaware of that when you're entering into that relationship with a mentor, you have to be open to more than just that one thing mm-hmm. that you think you want mentored for. Because the reality is you're probably going to get developed in a hundred other ways that you were not even anticipating. So as a mentee, you have to be entering in just with wide open hands and no agenda because you have no idea what it took for that mentor to get to that position. Hence why you're looking for one. So you've got to be open. Um, and then, as, what what was the flip side? I forgot the second part of your question. What is, yeah, what does it take to be a good mentor? Oh, to be a good mentor. Gosh, I, I wish that I could answer that question so much better than I, I feel like I even could. Because um, honestly, I, yes, I would say that I have mentored some people. Um, I probably screwed it up more than I did it well. Um, and part of that comes from my lack of experience with having mentors. Like the people that I would say have mentored me most in my life, A, some of them don't even know they mentored me. Um, they probably would not have even, even considered themselves mentors in my life. And some of the other people I'd say are like my mother, who that's my mother, not my mentor. But like as an adult, I'm saying, yeah, I I learned more about how to um, be a capable woman from her than anyone else in my life because women, specifically within the church, have been so taken advantage of and exploited and beaten down that by the time they are my age and older, they don't even consider themselves capable for the most part of being a mentor because they have been told and shown that they are not worthy of having that position in someone's life. And they have been stretched so thin by being given a thousand different responsibilities that they don't feel they have the capacity to even be a mentor. And so at this point in my life, I can name very, very, very few intentional mentoring relationships that I have had that I feel like I could even point to and say, yeah, this is what makes a good mentor. And being, being a woman, um, it's, there's even one layer deeper that's more complicated. And that is being mentored by men because specifically within the church, it seems like so often women are made out to be these like lusty Jezebels that all men have to avoid. And oh my goodness, he could never be seen with her one on one in any kind of meeting. But let's forget the example of Jesus with the woman at the well who was by himself with a woman teaching her. But no, this man cannot have a meeting in public with this woman because one of them might be stepping out on their spouse. And so women, you cannot be be mentored by capable men because 
Everything about you is sexual. Your leggings and your sweatshirt, those are sexual. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what has been done to keep women down and from being able to be mentored. And there have been amazing men in my life that I have learned from. But I know, I know so many of them would have rather teach my husband than me. First of all, well, we got to collect offering and, <laughs> and do the benediction. Goodness, that's your that's your next sweatshirt, not your lusty Jezebel. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else. That's my whole thought. Not your lusty Jezebel. Listen, tell me it's not true. Oh, that I mean, no, it's too real. It's too real. It's it's just it's too real. I think, yeah. I think for me, when it comes to like, when it comes to mentees, I think what I'm learning is like, yeah, my heart is just, yeah. I feel like I was exploited in my early 20s mm -hmm. and I don't want like, <clears throat> I don't want mm -hmm. anybody I'm around to be exploited. Yeah. So I feel like my MO is to like give a little to a lot. And I think what I'm, like, taking into this next phase is, like, yeah, I want to live life with a few and give a lot to a little. Yeah. Like, I want to really, like, invest in a few in ways that I would have wanted to be invested in. And I think, like, that's what I'm learning, like, in this next phase as a mentor. And as a mentee, yeah. Yeah, I just, in this phase, like, I have, I have really cool, like, there's a few that I'm thinking of in my head where I have like really cool relate like mentor relationships with. But I think what all I desire in this like season is somebody like somebody older who can like who cares far less about like my professional ascent and more about like my personal character. Oh, exactly amen. Right. Like that's what like just help me help me be a husband and a dad. Yeah. And like I'll learn how to preach better in the next twenty years if God mm -hmm. like I learn how to lead better, like yeah. as time goes on. Just help me, like, yeah, help me not look up in ten years and my daughter hate me. Like, yep. Ugh, <laughs> like the best, <clears throat> the best mentors I have had in my life have been those who are far more concerned with my uh, my spiritual c condition and my proximity to Jesus than they are <clears throat> with what I'm doing with my time, because I think that they know. And they've shown me that your proximity to Jesus, your heart's your heart's direction towards towards Jesus, determines all those other things. So if you're connected to the vine, then you'll be living you'll be living life from the source, right? Like from from the strength of God. But if if your spiritual life isn't on point, well then you're probably i mean i don't know about you but in my own strength i can't be a good dad uh -uh. in my own strength i can't be a good husband like maybe you're superman and bro hats off to you but like that's not where i'm at in my own strength i'm incapable of doing the things that i know i i, I need to do while i'm here on this earth and so like those are the best mentors that i have are far more concerned with like my spiritual condition than the things that i'm doing or the sermons that i'm preaching 
or the vision that I'm casting or, you know, whatever. I think what I look for, what I look for, and this is going to lead to to my question uh, to y'all, what I look for in somebody to invest in is somebody who the best word I can use to describe it is teachable. Mm-hmm. Another way I would say it is like down for the ride because, because I don't like, I, I, I don't, I don't have time to convince you that you, that, that you need this, right? Like I don't have time to, to convince you that, that, that the spirit has something to, to show you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I, I believe the Lord has like crossed our paths and there's some things that like we're going to go through together. Um, and so, so teachable is, is the bottom line for me, uh, which leads me to, to kind of my, my question. I'm really curious to hear what you would have to say. Like, what are some of the best practices you have seen? Like, what are some of the best things that you've seen coming out of like discipling relationships, um, that, that you would like implore people who, who know that in this time, God has asked us to give away all that we've been given to other people. Like, so the things that I go through, I'm at a point where I realize the things that I go through are not for me. Like the, the, the lessons that the Lord is teaching me about my health. I mean, it's, it's, it's for my health, but also it's for the health of the community that he's placed me in. And so I'm in a place where I realize, like, if God has given me something, it is not for me to own, it is for me to give away. And so if you're in that place, what are some of the best practices that you have seen in practicing disciplers and ease? In practicing disciplers and ease. Hmm. <laughs> I think, like, when I look back at my experience and even some of the mentorship, discipleship relationships I'm in now, I think for me it's like one like I feel like we all have toolboxes and there's folks that I'm around who like have legit given me tools. Yeah. So like there's really practical tools that like some folks have given me. Like I'm able to hang around them and I'm able to say, "Hey, like how'd you do that?" Mhm. Like especially like in the realm of leadership. I mean, what I'm learning from Simon Sinek primarily, our favorite our, yeah, our, our favorite is that like it's a muscle and it's a muscle that you flex. So like the more that I do it, the more I'm around people and I'm like, hey, how did you how did you do that? Why did you lead that meeting this way? Mm-hmm. And I think like it's tools that you gain from people. So I think like one of those practical things is like the intentional like pursuit of creating space to either like teach or learn those tools. So whether you're a mentor or a mentee, if you're a mentor saying like, all right, I have these few tools that like I use often, like here's what it is. I'm tossing these tools in your toolbox. And I think from the mentee perspective, like if you desire to learn those tools from a mentor, you like watch closely, you always have a notebook, and then you ask for intentional times and spaces where you can like learn those tools. I think also there's like, so that would be like the organized, but I think there's the, the organic Yep. I've learned the most from like disciplers and mentors from like eating dinner at their tables. Yep. Like you learn so much about people from like hanging out with them and spending time with them like when they're off. Yep. 
because then you learn about like, all right, like this is how they, I'm like, all right, this is how they interact with their wife. <laughs> like their phone's not on. Like some of the best like mentorship advice I got was from eating dinner with a family and we were there and they had like a bowl that they like put their phones in like before they sat at the table. And I was like, oh, like they're locked in because like their phones are in phone jail as they called it. And I was like, oh, like phones are in phone jail. And, like, phones are legit in phone jail until, like, after everything's done. And it yep. was just, like, yeah. Like, I took so much from that. And I'm, like, oh, like, they're locked they're locked in with their kids, like, during these times. And, like, yep. I just learned. I picked <clears throat> up so much. So I think, like, for mentors, like, the invitation for mentees into, like, just the normal organic rhythms, like, yeah. Not only, like, come with me to this meeting, but come with me to the grocery store, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then I think, like, having learnability as a mentee to when you're in those spaces, you're like, oh, this is how they, this is how they get down in the normal everyday spaces of life. One of the best things, one of the best, that reminded me, one of the best things that I learned, um, I, it, it was a few years ago, but, um, was I was really wrestling with like time management and also the people that I wanted to invest in. And I, what I realized in that season was that so much of what had been shown to me about discipleship, mentorship, whatever at this point we're calling it. Um, and it was in like a, in like a sit down at a boardroom type thing and like sit around a table and we're going to like discuss content. Um, and, I needed to like transform my thinking into more of like what Jesus did, which was Jesus went and did the stuff that he was going to do anyway, but he invited 12 guys to come rock with him while he did that. And like one of the things that like radically transformed my thinking was that like, I know the Lord has me going to do certain things anyway everything from, from, you know, going to speak at this thing over here to like you said, like Rachel told me to grab milk on the way home, you know? Um, I don't, I don't have time to take all these meetings to sit around a table and process content, but I absolutely have a certain capacity in my life to come invite you in on the things that I'm going to go do anyway. And like, we can live life together that way you know so no I, i'm not i'm not able to like sit down and process everything with you at this time every every other day on these weeks you know for this amount of time but you can come with me like you can come with me to x y and z and we rock with it that way you know and it's that's that's not for everybody right that's not for everybody there's only like a certain like capacity that we all have like jesus only had 12 so like don't you know don't invite 13 or more um but it's, it's okay to laugh that was a joke y'all both just staring at me um but but yeah like that like that radically transformed the way that i thought about this like so in the spirit of best, best practices that's what that made me think of was like people were just you know taught me just invite people to go do what you're already doing and that that like change 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 the game for me yeah and i think rachel mentioned it earlier like i've learned so much from like people who would never say that they like discipled me from people who would never say that like they were like my mentor 
Mm-hmm. And I think like just the celebrity culture, mm-hmm. like in our expression of the church right now, points us to the fact that like you have to have a title or be something to invest in someone. And man, the reality is like we all have this living discipleship curriculum within all of us, like things that God has like revealed to us, things that God has taught us, like living within us. And I think if we like seen it as our mission to like give away those, like to give away those things to like as many people as we could, man, like, yeah, I think the, the spirit of like discipleship would like be built strong. Yeah, within our Western expression. You know, and speaking from the position of somebody who has struggled to find a consistent mentor in my professional career, um, like what has what has helped me drastically was getting myself out of the mentality of, well, I don't have anybody pouring into me. You know, that's the phrase that we love in the church. I don't have anybody pouring into me or I don't have somebody who's investing in me or I don't have somebody who's carving out specific time for me and that kind of thing. Like moving out of that mentality into, okay, I am going to be an observer and a student of the world around me and moving into this posture of every situation that I find myself in, there is something that can be gleaned from it. Mm-hmm. That changed everything for me. And that completely removed that void that I had of feeling like, well, I don't have a mentor, so I'm lost. That's good. That's so really good. moving into that and, and entering into everything with a posture of what can I learn from this situation, I became so much more content in that feeling of not having this one specific person that I look to to grow in X, Y, or Z area of life that completely changed everything because if you walk into every room and don't feel like you have something that you can learn and I'm talking literally every room whether it's a sermon us coming in here to record this podcast like walking into the one center today and interacting with people if you don't walk into every situation feeling like you have something that you can learn in that scenario then you already have too high of a view of yourself mm-hmm. because you don't know yep. everything. Your, your, your check heart light is on. Yes. You got you to go get that checked out. Yes. And when that, when that posture switched in me, that, that changed everything. It filled that void because all of a sudden, every situation I was in, I found a mentor. I found someone to help me grow in whatever, whatever area. And so that, I mean, for me, as somebody who has struggled so much with mentorship, that posture change was everything. It's dope. You got a jet. I do. All right. That is, that's episode nine. That's, that's what we got on mentorship. Um, we'll be back. We'll be back in two weeks with episode 10. And yeah, that's it. Bless up. Bless, Bless up. up.